The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To his majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory Amen. while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Jesus Christ is the storm that is coming, and he is the shelter from that storm. His judgment is already being poured out on America, on the world. Over half of America is in drought. One of the judgments of God is to stop the rain. Another judgment, earthquake, strange weather phenomena, volcanoes, pestilence. We see the judgments of God falling upon the world. If you think you're going to be able to continue to live just your normal life, you don't understand the times in which you live. I know we all have a bias toward normalcy. The normal life of the American is over. And there are some very crucial decisions that you and I must make and then walk out with integrity before Almighty God if we expect to be ready to enter into that kingdom above. Jesus is coming much sooner than any of us can even imagine. I see the crashing housing market. I see the inventory of homes ratcheting up. I see the total wipeout of the American economy. And it's all by design. It's not as though something unusual happened. It is unusual, but it's by design. It's not by chance. The policies of the one-world government that control. They've instituted policies to bring famine and death. They've instituted policies to destroy the financial backbone of America, the small family business. They're attacking the family unit. Breaks my heart. The recent statistic that I saw was 39% of babies that are born in America are born to a husband and wife. The rest are born out of wedlock. We see horrific murder, violence. There are some cities I would not even visit today. I would not go to Chicago I wouldn't go to San Francisco. I wouldn't go to Seattle. I wouldn't go to New York City. Are you kidding me? New York City has become the rotten apple. For some years, it was vastly improved. But now it has turned utterly rotten. Miami, Las Vegas... L.A., these are cesspools of violence and corruption and every evil thing. San Francisco, it is so utterly corrupt. The judgments of God are coming on all of these cities. We're going to see their destruction by the hand of God. Jesus is coming again. And that causes me to stop and say, Lord, how then shall we live? What I want to share with you today is going to cut directly across what many of you believe. I ask you, look carefully at the scriptures, listen to what I have to share with you, and then you be the judge. And you take your life in hand and you decide how then you will live. I spoke with a man. He said he believes that every person who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is then free 
to go live their life as they choose without deliberate sin, but to live and enjoy everything that is in the world that God has created for us to enjoy. Go have a good life. I know that that is the deception of Satan. It is living by the tree of the knowledge of good. Remember, the tree is the knowledge of good and evil. Many Christians today think that if they avoid the evil, they can live in the good. But that's also the tree of the knowledge. And it's demonic. It is not righteous. I want to live by the tree of life. I want to live by Jesus, not by the normal American the normal American life that is self-centered, that is focused on what I want and where I'm going and what I'm doing. No. There is a course laid out for each one of us, and I want to finish my course. I want to finish my course. And I want to finish that course in perfect victory. I want to hear from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the cry of my heart. So listen as I share some Bible scriptures with you. And then we're going to go in depth in one specific chapter that will begin to open our eyes and give us very specific understanding. The first scripture that I'd like to share with you is a very familiar one in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew, the sixth chapter. No one can serve two masters. This is verse 24. And by the way, you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I have only one agenda, and I need to give you what that agenda is. I'm on this radio broadcast, and I'm on this YouTube station for only one purpose. To secure the salvation of your soul. So I'm not trying to please anyone here. I'm not trying to win any popularity contests. I'm here only for the purpose of speaking the word of God to you in such a way that the arrows of the Holy Spirit can pierce your heart and turn you to righteousness and to holiness. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. You must be holy or you will be rejected at the final judgment. And Some of you have believed falsely that when you die, God will suddenly transform you and make you holy. Holy is never spoken of in the future tense. It is always in the present. And either you are holy or you are vile. Let me read this for you. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor 
was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yes. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Why? Because God is in charge, and he knows what your needs are, and he will meet those needs with glorious assurance and with love and mercy and compassion, you're not on your own. You were bought at a price. Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily. And by the word, the way, the word deny here in the Greek, literally means he must disown himself. He must abstain from himself and must take up his cross daily. The words take up literally mean to weigh anchor. Ever been on a sailboat? And you're tethered out there in the water. You take the dinghy, you row out to your boat. And then you take up your anchor. You're set free. Now you can travel. If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to do two things. Disown yourself. Abstain from yourself. And get ready to travel because you're going to be traveling. You're going to be going where the Holy Spirit takes you. Are you willing? Weigh your anchor so that you can take up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I can tell you today, Jesus is coming again, and I believe he's coming in your lifetime and mine. He is coming again. This is a reality you must face. And then you must make a decision. Will I do what is necessary to be ready when Jesus comes? Are you ready to disown yourself, to weigh anchor, and travel with Jesus wherever he takes you, to do whatever he calls you to do? Now, there's another passage of Scripture I'd like to read for you. In John, the 12th chapter, verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That word hate can also mean indifferent to, in comparison to. 
In other words, I'm indifferent to my life as compared to eternal life with Jesus Christ. And so I abstain from myself. I turn away from myself. I say, I want to follow Jesus. I listen to a a precious woman talk about how she was being badly treated by her husband. And of course, the natural inclination is to sympathize with her. Yes, he is bad. He's not being a good husband. Yes, all of this is true. No. The truth is, this young woman has got to get to Jesus and give up her life. She's going to have to disown her anger and her bitterness, her judgments. She's going to have to disown the bitterness of her own heart and all self-justification. The problem is not with the man, whatever he be. And he could very well be a total mess. A cruel man, a self-righteous man. It doesn't matter what the man is. It matters, has the wife taken up her anchor and said, I will follow Jesus. And then let Jesus deal with the husband. You see, we could spend many hours in counseling, many hours strategizing how do you build a healthy marriage. No, the way you build a healthy marriage is you die and you're crucified with Jesus Christ. You disown yourself and you follow Jesus. Verse 26, this is John 12, verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Oh, wait. The Christian life is a life of following Jesus. Please hear me. The Christian life is not incorporating Christian values into my life. That's not what the Christian life is about. It is not a strategy for success. It is not improving myself by incorporating these wonderful principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means I follow Jesus. The word Christian itself was first used in Antioch as a term of scorn of the Christ followers. That's what Christian means, Christ follower. Well, many of you have thought that being a Christian meant just doing the best I could do and incorporating these wonderful values of the Christian faith into your life, but you were still in charge and you were still following your own course. You were doing what you wanted to do. Oh, this is my calling. Off I go to do what I believe I want to do. No, your calling is to humble your heart, confess your sin, and deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. No, I'm having a hard time getting at this today because those are just religious words that slide so smoothly off the tongue of a religious man or woman. But Jesus really means what he says. So what would it look like for a person who says, I'm a Christian? What would it look like for that man or that woman to actually give up following their own dreams and their own ambitions and their own desires and choose to follow the course laid out 
by Jesus Christ for your life. And many of you today have no clue what course Jesus has laid out for your life because you've spent your whole life going the way you want to go while incorporating all of these wonderful Christian values in your heart. But you don't hear God speak to you. You're not following Jesus. You're following the desires of your own heart. I want to read for you this scripture. And I'm sharing a number of scriptures today because I want you to get the flowing sense of what it means to follow Jesus. Let me read for you Galatians, the second chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. This is Galatians, the second chapter. I'll begin in verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. In other words, if I could gain righteousness by just putting into practice all of the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if I could take the law and apply all of these wonderful principles to my life, then I'd be good to go. No. No. Literally, we are called to take our minds off earthly things because we have died if we are crucified with Christ. If our life is now hidden in God with Christ, then the reality is we must follow Jesus in the practical, everyday aspect of our life. And what would that look like? Well, first of all, it's going to look like you being put to death and no more, no longer demanding your own way. No longer walking in vengeance, bitterness, anger, offense. That's why Colossians, the third chapter, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's holy chosen people, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now, how, did, how does all of that happen? Crucifixion, dying to it, giving it up to Jesus. Jesus, I give my anger to you. It's not mine. I divorce it. I cut it off. And I'm going to pray and cry out to you until this work is done in my heart. It's not self-improvement. It's not gritting my teeth. It's not white-knuckling it. 
It's going to Jesus and crying out in the prayer closet until that malice, that slander, the filthy language is totally removed from your heart. And you get to the very bottom of what it is that's causing you to walk this way. And you'll find right at the bottom itself. It's pride. He's not going to treat me that way. Really? No, you're called to die. You're called to give your life up for Jesus. Now, please hear what I need to say to you. I'm going to go over here to Corinthians. I'm going to go to Corinthians. And by the way, the 10th chapter is very strong of 1 Corinthians. You need to read it and pray over it. But now let's go to the 12th chapter where the Apostle Paul wants to begin to talk about spiritual matters. These are matters that matter. These are matters that we need to understand because these are the very concrete ways in which we are to walk. You were not called to do what I'm doing. And I was not called to do what you're doing. But in all things, we are called to serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ and to build that kingdom, to belong to that kingdom. There is a very specific course that if you do not go through on, if you do not complete there will be a loss for you and for others in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You need to follow the course laid out for you by Jesus. How do you find the course laid out for you? Well, I could read you countless numbers of scriptures that say, You must walk in Jesus. You must follow Jesus. So if that's true, you must know where Jesus is walking and you must know what Jesus is calling you to. It's not by gifts. There's been much foolishness in the years gone by with personality profiles that identify your gifts and then they say now you need to walk in these gifts no you don't walk in those gifts you crucify those gifts you give them to jesus jesus calling is also his enabling I remember a day when I would stand to preach to a congregation and my knees knocked so hard in my tear that I had to brace them against the pulpit so I wouldn't fall down. There was a time in my life when no one would have said that Ray Greenley is going to be able to be a preacher of the word because I was shy and backward and terrified of public speaking. I killed the king's English. My gift of preaching is not a human gift. It is a spiritual gift. It is something God disciplined me in and prepared me for. I simply had to say yes and do what he directed me to do. Many times after having preached a message, I would say to the Lord, Lord, I can't preach. And if I had my way, I would never stand behind another pulpit. I would never again approach your word because I am so poor at this. 
There are many men and women much more talented than I am in the proclamation of the word. And the Lord would just say, No, I'm giving you this gift. Let me grow it in you. And he grew it in me. And what you hear today, both in voice tone, in words, in concepts, I can make no claim. This was not a natural talent of mine. This was given to me by the Lord, disciplined in me by the Holy Spirit, and anointed for him to give me his word to speak boldly to you and call you to righteousness, to repentance, to revival. So we find that Paul, the Apostle Paul in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians begins to speak about spiritual gifts, not about human gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Oh, the devil can say, Jesus is Lord, and he's lying. No, it's speaking here about from the inner heart saying, Jesus is my Lord. That is a man or woman who is crucified with Christ, who is following Jesus Christ, who is serving Jesus Christ. Can I be very straight and plain with you without offending you? No, probably not, but I'm going to be anyway. Most of you listening to this broadcast have followed your own course in life, doing the best you could do with the judgment you had, but never finding the course that God laid out for you. That's a horrible statement to make. Read Isaiah 50, verses 11 and 12. Let the man who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. It also says that if you light your own fires, you light your own torches, you light your own way, you make your own decisions, in the end you will lie down in torment. A very wealthy man came to see me. He owned large carpet stores. A multimillionaire. He came and sat down in my living room and burst into tears. This hardened businessman burst into tears. And he said, Pastor, I'm lost. I said, why do you think you're lost? He said, because when I was a young man, God called me to the ministry. He called me to preach the gospel. And instead of doing that, I said, I must go and make the money, and then I won't be dependent on anybody to give me money to pay for my ministry. Instead, I'll fund my own ministry. He said, I have spent my whole life earning my wealth, and now it's too late for me to be a pastor. I'm too old and I'm too weak. And I have wasted my life. I have followed my own course. And I have not done what Jesus asked me to do. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine what my answer to him was. Yes, you have gone your own way. And you have desperately disappointed Jesus. 
but Jesus loves you. And if you at this late hour are willing to repent, he will receive you. He will receive you. There will be a heavy price to pay because you will not receive the reward of a faithful servant. But the thief on the cross confessed his sin and entered into paradise. I don't know what your place will be in heaven because you have been unfaithful to the call of God. But I can tell you today, Jesus will forgive you. And the rest of your life, whatever you have in years, serve him with all of your heart. And see if in the years between now and your death or the months, see if you can give away all the money you earned. See if you can fund the work of the gospel. I can only tell you that Jesus will receive you if you're earnest in your repentance and in your following after Jesus. He wept and wept, repented, prayed, and I likewise prayed for him. When he left, he had the assurance in his heart that the Lord would receive him. And he left crying out, asking Jesus, Will you direct my steps in my path? Many of you have not followed the course that Jesus has laid out for you. You have imagined that you could lay out your own course and that Jesus in his sentimental love would accept you no matter what you did or whether you followed him or not, and you've been deceived, you can still repent. And if you repent, Jesus will receive you. Remember the parable of the servants. The ones who came last into the field of labor received the same reward as those who labored all day in the vineyard. Jesus is interested in men and women who will simply repent and then get on course with him and follow him. I don't know what it will cost you to give up your life and follow Jesus. It may cost you everything you have worked your whole life for. I don't know what trials he will call you to. I can only tell you that Jesus is a God of mercy and compassion, but not to be trifled with. First Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in men. Now, these gifts are only given and only worked and only made manifest in men and women who give up the world, the flesh, and the devil, and who say, Jesus, I am totally yours. I will follow you. I am given to you. Now, what course would you have me follow? I'm sure... I'm sure Moses, after those many years in the desert with his father-in-law's sheep, came to a place where he, he only knew that his life was to herd the sheep. That was God's second plan for him. 
I don't know what his first plan was, because he took his life in his own hands and thought to go and be the savior of the children of Israel under his own strength and own power. And so he murdered a man and had to run for his life. But in that desert place, caring for a small herd of sheep, he learned how to clean the mucus out of their nose. He learned how to anoint their heads with oil to keep the bugs away. He learned how to discipline a sheep and hold him around his neck as their leg healed. He learned how to shepherd and become an utterly humble man. Please hear me when I say this. Moses walking in the desert for those many years does not look very spiritual, but it was the most spiritual thing God could do with him to train him and discipline him and humble his heart so that he could finally go and lead the children of Israel and deliver them from Pharaoh's hand. We don't know where God will take us. We only know if we've humbled our hearts and submitted to him and said, Jesus, I will take each step as you bring it to me, regardless of what it costs me. I will take each step, practical steps. It may be he'll tell you to continue in the job you're in. But in that place, he wants you to witness for him. He wants you to testify that he is the Lord. He does not want you to be ashamed of him. Oh, but pastor, I might get fired. Okay. Remember, take up your anchor. Be ready to travel with God. Remember, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you all the things that pagans run after. So Moses walked in the wilderness, a spiritual training ground. God's not very religious. In fact, I don't think he's religious at all. He's practical. He lives in the real world. That desert was a place where his servant could be trained for the next stage of work that God had for him to do. Now, that may not have been the first choice for God to put him there. But that's where he went. Now, where you are in your job may be very upsetting to you. Jesus So stay where you're at. Don't light your own fires. Wait upon the Lord and trust him. You may have taken that job out of your own ego, out of your own desire to be taking care of yourself, not trusting at all in God. Don't jump. Stay quiet now before God and confess your sins to Jesus and ask him for your, for the spirit's direction for what he would have you do, for where he would have you go. Don't jump. Weigh anchor. Be ready to move as God moves you. Don't move yourself. Or you'll lie down in torment, according to Isaiah 50, 11 and 12. Listen. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, he is going to manifest the Spirit in your life, on a very specific chosen path by God. That manifestation of the Spirit is going to be a measure of wisdom or a measure of knowledge. It's going to be a measure of faith. It's going to be the gift of healing or it's going to be miraculous powers. It's going to be the gift of prophecy or distinguishing between true and false spirits. It 
It may be speaking in different kinds of tongues. Might be the interpretation of tongues. These are all the work of the same Spirit of God. He gives them to each one just as he determines. He makes one man a preacher. He makes another man an evangelist. He makes another man a shopkeeper. He makes another man a mechanic. He makes another man a herder of sheep. Trust in the name of the Lord. Trust in the name of the Lord. He has a path laid out for you. I want to walk the path God has laid out for me, and I want to finish my course in perfect in perfect victory. I want to hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What joy. So in my past, he's had me mopping floors, scrubbing dishes, cooking, baking in a commercial bakery. He's had me teach children how to swim. He's, he's had me do many, many different kinds of things, all by the Spirit, opening the door and saying, this is the way, walk in it. And he humbles us. He, he strengthens us. He directs us. We serve an awesome God. If you're not today knowing that you're on the path of the Lord, get on your face before him and cry aloud, asking him to make clear to you the path he has chosen for you, and then freely do what he's asked you to do. And it may mean staying right where you are and doing what you've been doing for the last year or years. Because God has a purpose in it for you. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. We have only two minutes left. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. And I have to say, the honor roll today goes to Gloria. I know, Gloria, you'll say, no, it was Jesus. Yes, I know it was Jesus. Moving in you, giving so sacrificially. Your witness for Christ is clearly seen in many places, and I praise God for you. I've never met you, sister, but I love you. You're a fellow pilgrim. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And Tom, thank you. You and your precious wife up there in Port Huron, thank you for your consistent giving and caring. Please, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You can also find all of the videos from YouTube. Pass them on. Subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. That way Google will spread the word even further. God bless you today. Find the path of the Lord. If you already know it, stay on it. God bless you. I love you. Before the wind, great joy.